so I'm back <laughs> with Evian and Charlie. This is the part two. So if you haven't listened to part one, it's the episode right before this one. So I'm talking to Evian, Whitney, and Charlie and Max. They both have a practice around helping people get more in touch with their bodies, and they show up in very different ways. So I brought them together to have two conversations, and we're going to complete the conversation with Evian and Charlie. And then you get to hear my follow-up conversation with Evian and I solo, and um, that will complete the whole series. So here it is. If you haven't heard it, here we go. <laughs> There's a very good chance that somebody or more than somebody in the audience is also feeling that. And so that also gives folks the permission to be like, yeah, it's okay for you to feel what you feel. Let's like, let's honor what's here and also like be, be flexible with what can happen, especially after, you know, energy gets moving. Shit might change, you know? Oh man, tell me about it. Tell me about it. Um, after energy gets moving, shit might change. Yeah. It's been my okay. at least. Go ahead, Charlie. What were you going to say? It feels good because I, I, that's having integrity for yourself. And if we're, like, stepping in a space where we don't feel good and we have to, like, meet this, like, unrealistic expectation, then it opens up an, an authentic space for everyone to feel that inauthentic place for themselves but when we're like in touch and we have integrity and we actually are open to sharing this it's like that it helps it makes me feel so nice it makes everyone feel so nice and I love hearing it so that's really cool yeah yeah you you uh Charlie you've been doing the uh food experience dinners for uh like a little over a year right how long you've been doing them yeah the 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 way they're structured now about a year yeah since last uh, April. And then I was doing nude optional events for a few years before. Okay. And then, you know, there is a line, right? Because you've been doing them, you have a, a framework or some kind of like run of show or something that you, you know, a pro uh, um, so here's the thing. We, we're asking people for trust when we invite them into a, these places as facilitators and experiences. And so they expect that we have a kind of an idea of how things would go. Um, but that doesn't mean that um, we, we want to hold too tightly to that idea that we confine people to be little machines, right? There's a, there's a balance. Even here in this podcast, I was like, I have an idea of, of some threads to pull, but I, didn't, I don't have a script, um, clearly. <laughs> but uh, the question I have for you, Charlie, is if you could sort of give me an arc. Like, if I were curious to go to the food, uh, food experience, uh, but I was uh, nervous of what, would, what I would see, feel, hear, smell, touch, right? Could, could you quickly sort of take us, not super quickly, but like, take us through what that sort of narration is um, as, a, as a guest in your own words? Because I'm actually really interested in how you ride that line between a strict sort of facilitated dinner starts at seven kind of thing and like, hey, it's 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 free, you know, uh, you know, do your thing kind of uh, situation because I I do find that there's there's always that balance to be struck. Yeah. So right now I'm actually working on structure. <laughs> That's the pendulum swing that I'm on because I have mm. been so free with it before, uh, and I'm working on finding that balance. But basically, uh, I just started 
saying that you ha I have a 15 minute grace period and locking the doors. And that was a hard decision for me to make because I'm like, oh, I wanna wait for everyone to attend. But uh, now I realize that's, I want to create a safe space. And if we're doing that, then I'm disrespecting the people's time that is there for the people that are there. And also uh, for people who come in late, then they're missing some of uh, the experience, which is really important. So. Now we do a little bit of a consent talk when people, when, once everyone's arrived, everyone strips when they first get in, uh, and then we'll have some kind of movement for people to shake up their energy uh, because a lot of people are nervous and experiencing nudity in a group of people for the first time. Uh, and then we'll go into a breath work or a sound bath or some kind of meditation for people to really tap in. Then we'll sit for the dinner and it's usually a three to four course dinner. And then there's freedom within the discussion. So I kind of loosely plan certain questions based off of the theme and like I, I just did a dinner um, last Sunday in New York and the questions, I did the same theme, it was integrity. And the first dinner two weeks ago I had in LA, uh, the theme felt so amazing. Everyone was like ping-ponging off of each other. We were getting really deep into integrity. And so I was thinking, great, I'm so excited to bring this theme to New York, it's gonna be amazing. And it like fell short. Everyone was not digging in, and I was like, "All right, we need to pivot." I'm not saying anything about New York, but you know. <laughs> no, but I, I think it, there were a few things I learned, and I was like, "Okay, let me ask some different questions," because it felt that people didn't feel uh, warmed up enough to be able to like feel comfortable ping-ponging. And I was realizing, what is that? So then I'm like, let me switch up the questions where they're not like feeling like. We're just answering and then like moving on to the next person, very polite. And uh, that helped. But I think because I had that freedom to be able to change it, then we started feeling like once people were responding to the new questions, you can feel that like wave of energy uh, and like just everyone was really connecting and finding that love with what they were saying. And I think before uh, people were feeling a little nervous and they were, it was hard for them to connect to the questions. Uh, so I went off on a tangent, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I, yeah, I think it's important to have the, the theme. The theme helps you know, people connect to each other and, and ground the experience for sure. Yeah. Um, and then what happens after dinner? After dinner, then we'll do a little bit of a like closing ceremony or closing the space. Uh, and I work with the facilitator to plan out whatever that is. My favorite is when we touch our hearts and touch the hearts of or touch the back of people's hearts and do a few breaths. Um, but different ways to close up the space. And then I put on fun music and everyone's exchanging numbers and uh, connecting. And it's a, a really sweet uh, community building moment at the end. Nice. Um, Evian, uh, based on that description, what do you think about it? Does it sound like something you would go to? Does it, does it make you nervous? Are you like excited? You know, I don't know. Yeah, I, I am curious. I am familiar with your work, Charlie, and I was looking at, um, you know, some photos and some features about uh, the food experience. And I had this real um, curiosity about it 
and also just some trepidation <laughs> because, you know, I mean, I'm cool with being naked in public, but it's, it's my experience with nudity and with, with strangers is more like in a Korean spa or a spa element where we're like not making conversation. We're just kind of sort of passersby. We might share some space, but we're not like really interacting with each other. So the idea of sharing a meal with someone in the nude feels a little, um, a little edgy for me. But, you know, I don't, I don't think that I would say no to it. I would be, I think what would help me is if I had a friend <laughs> with me that knew how to perhaps co-regulate <laughs> my nervous system. Um, I'm thinking of a couple of people that, like, I feel would be really comfortable going with me. And if, you know, if I started feeling nervous, maybe we could have a moment where I look at them or hold a hand or something. And, you know, like, we're in this together. But, um, yeah, mm. I'm curious about it. I'm very curious about it. Yeah, Charlie, what do you think about that? <laughs> How's that strategy for people? I love it. Um, Yes, I think a lot of people feel nervous, but I've been very, uh, I, I'm very grateful that it's only, most people are only nervous for majority for like the first 15 minutes. And because of all of the facilitations and everything happening through the night, everyone really like, there's a collective like just undressing and comfort that we all share. And it's interesting, it's a naked event, but you, you forget that you're naked because everyone, I require nudity for all, so it's normalized. And you, hmm. because of the activities that we have, you're not even thinking about being naked anymore because everyone's doing it. Everyone there is present. So that's kind of like, all right, we're naked. What else? Um, but it, yeah, I, I would love for you to come and bring a friend. Um, a lot of people end up coming alone because they can't find friends hmm. who will come with them. And... Uh, oh, interesting. Yeah. Be, yeah. Oh, <laughs> man. It's really special, too, because now there's, like, tons of lifelong friends, and the community is really, like, thriving off of it. And um, it, it's really sweet. Because nudity, to me, represents so much more than the act of being naked. It's surrender. It's letting go. It's peeling back all of these layers. And uh, when we can stand in our vulnerability, I, that's that's like the strongest experience and the most powerful connection we can have and how beautiful to have it when you're naked meeting new people for the first time. Mm -hmm. I got a question for you, Charlie, and I got a question for you, Evian. I'm putting you both on the spot. <laughs> okay. No, I'm like, for real though, I'm putting you both on the spot. Okay. All right, check it out. So the question is, Charlie, you heard Evian talk about being one of two black people in a space and having feelings about that. And this is, I assume, with clothes on. Yeah. If you add that, let's say, and I've, I've been to your events, but I don't want to give, I don't want to, I don't want to assume every event. The event that I went to actually was, was, was diverse in, in terms of skin tones um, and body types and sizes. But I don't know that every event is like that. Have you had encounters where folks may be expressed to you before, during, after the event, they're like, maybe it was too many men, maybe it was uh, too many white people, maybe it was too many black people, what, what, too many skinny people, tall people, any kind of that uh, sort of discomfort as related to the makeup of the group, 
and how you sort of address that either going into it or um, um, or in the moment. Yeah, so one thing that actually came up today, uh, it, I'm, it's a lot of age diversity. So I'm trying, that's where I'm looking to expand because right now I'm really grateful that food has a very, for the most part, it's growing to be very diverse. Um, but when it comes to age, that's a place where I'm looking to expand. And today we got, I have a form that people fill out when after they experience your thoughts. And there was one woman who attended and she was in her 60s and she was the only woman in her 60s at the experience. It was like there was no one past uh, 40 and there were a few older men. But um, yeah, I think that's where I look to inviting uh, like doing personal invites to people to expand the community. And uh, right now I'm looking to invite people's moms or uh, truly make it very diverse because I think it's extremely important to have a very diverse space to uh, learn and grow from each other and expand the experience. It's very important, especially when we're naked. Um, yeah, but it, I, I, I'll put more emphasis on... Uh, reaching out to certain groups of people or certain um, communities to be able to combine our communities together so that way we can create a more diverse space. Mm. All right, so this is where Evian, you get put on the spot. Do you think that based on Charlie's answer, that if I were to, on behalf of the Friend Show, sponsor you and a friend, <laughs> Uh huh. Um, sponsor you and a friend okay. to attend uh, one of the next, you know, in the next, I don't know, a, a challenge in the next month or two, scheduling permitted, uh, food dinner that it, food experience that's in Los Angeles. You're giggling. Uh huh. Is that an is that a challenge that an invitation is that an edge that you would be interested in approaching? Live on the air. <laughs> and just talk me through, talk me through your answer and uh, give your answer and talk me through, you know, no right or wrong. It's just I, I want to hear your reasoning and how, how you come to your conclusion. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm just like, <laughs> it's just uh, that was not the question that I, I expected you to ask. So I was just, you know, flummoxed. Um, I would be interested. I would be interested. I can't say a yes or a no. For me, it would be a maybe, because a lot can happen in a month or two. You know, I'm I'm one of those people that really follows the flow and the rhythms of their own body. And sometimes I have these moments where I just don't want to see nobody. I just want to be by myself. You know, like. But then there are other times where I'm like, fuck yeah, let's push some edges. Like, let's get uncomfortable. So I'm also like um, just very cognizant of moon cycles and astrology. So I'm like, what's the astrology going to be like in the next, you know, when the Los Angeles one comes? Let me look at that and also see where that lines up on my moon cycle because that would be really interesting to show up when I'm bleeding. Um, those are like the logistical bits that I, I think of. 
Um, and then I was also giggling, thinking like, fuck, which of my friends would be, like I, I know of friends who would be willing to go in a sort of like nebulous, like hypothetically speaking, is this something that you would want to do? But if I legit said, hey, I got two tickets to come to this naked dinner event, would you come with me? <laughs> I'm just like imagining some of my friends going like, are you serious? Like really? So yeah, I'm actually, I'm, I'm actually glad, Maceo, that you brought that up because one of the things that I've been thinking about since I've, I've started this somatic journey is like really, at, at the same time of me speaking to wanting to be more on purpose about like how my body is when it is in spaces that are not, uh, when, when, when I'm in spaces that have not been historically safe for me to be in. Mm. So like that is something that I, I am, have been working on. And also I have noticed the difference of what it feels like to be in spaces where everybody looks like me and I don't have to ask or explain or like feel some type of way. And so I'm in this dance right now of wanting to prioritize spaces where that joy and that freedom and that expression and pleasure can be more easily accessed because I don't have to do a whole bunch of internal labor and emotional like configuration in order for me to like be fully present. So I'm also doing the math of like how much labor would that would I have to be doing, not just in taking off my clothes, not just in like having a meal amongst people I don't know, but also the labor of potentially being one of two or one of three or one of four black people and the impact mm. of that. Um, is that mm. a challenge that my body feels ready to do? Most days the answer is no. Mm. But then there's that part of me, as I said before, about like if I want connection, if I want community and I want to experience things that are going to help my body feel more alive, it's more useful for me to be curious about what it's like to um, orient my body to new ways of being, even if it means doing the labor. That was a really long-winded answer. No, perfect. a maybe. That's what it is. No, perfect. <laughs> perfect answer. Perfect answer. I think, uh, so really quick, our bodies are not clocks, but I do have one in front of me. Say the number of minutes you have available left in this conversation. I can go 10 minutes. Okay. Charlie, 10? 10 is what came up too. <laughs> yeah. All right. Look at that. Telepathy already. <laughs> All right. So now we're going back to Charlie with, the, with, another, with another hot seat question. In, would you be interested, because now we have a maybe on the table. <laughs> would you be interested, Charlie, in... A facilitated collaboration where in which you, to some degree, we'd have to work out the details, surrender your space for the night to a black or POC only food experience. I would love that. <laughs> what, what, what concerns, thoughts, interests do you have in that idea? Um. I, I would, I think it's amazing. Uh, would my, like, would I come? I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> but, yeah, right. Um, yeah, I have a team of uh, 
diverse <laughs> people that could lead it, and I take a step out, <laughs> which I think interesting. Would be yeah. All right. All right. So look, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to do this. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to try to say that two things would be great. If Charlie, you have something coming up in the next, you know, 30 to 45 days in LA, uh, let, let me know. If, uh, please extend the invitation to Evian, but let me know if if you, Evian, had decided to take it up, it would it would be my honor to treat you to, and not like as a guest for free, because I know, Charlie, it takes work, right? Like full price, just as a guest, Evian and one other person, if you feel the inclination to go and test it out and sample it and feel what it is and explore the exper experience, um, then, then that, I would be more than honored to um, be, uh, introduce you to that experience. Uh, and then, and it would be also interesting if after you did that, we, Evian, followed up. We followed up on a one-on-one -on -one because we have a one-on-one -on -one kind of scheduled, you know, sort of in, at some point in the future, right, to, to, to close the, the loop on the podcast element, like deliverables. So for, for just in case, uh, you know, this makes it, Charlie and I had a one-on-one -on -one call, and then uh, we're now having a group call, and then Evian and I will have a one-on-one -on -one call. Gotcha. Right, and so it would be interesting if you either reported on the fact that you were too busy or had resistance, <laughs> or if you went and what you felt. Cool. Right, that would be so cool. It would be an interesting uh, way to sort of tie a knot in it. Um, and I don't have any rush on when the episodes come out, so it's just like something that, you know, if you have an event, Charlie, do you have one coming up? I don't know in the next yeah. month or so. Yeah. Okay, so. We can get the invitation out there, and Evian, we'll just touch base on if you are able to make it. Okay. Um, and if you're able to but don't choose to, then, like, we can, we can chat about that. Um, but if you do actually go, then we can talk about that. And, uh, Charlie, we got you on, on air saying that you would be open to a, some version of uh, uh, surrendering your space to uh, people of color, um, and to 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 um, to from an accessibility standpoint, provide the experience to as many people as can as they can with the removal of, of maybe the obstacle that might be a barrier to their participation. I love that. I love that. I love that. I love that. Uh, and I think that um, I just want to thank the both of you for going through that ex exploration. And now would be a great time to do a quick body check-in as we end, as we move towards the end of the podcast. So, you know, uh, I'm, what is, what have been your thoughts and feelings or what has happened with you as uh, we've gone through the last sort of 50 minutes or an hour at this point? Uh, you know, if you could, if you would, if you feel like sharing whatever degree of, of sharing you wanted to, uh, I'd be interested to know. Uh, your sort of somatic journey over the last hour. Whoever wants to share. <laughs> I felt uh, maybe a little nervous at first, and now I feel really excited <laughs> for a potential whatever is going to happen. Um, but, yeah, I feel, uh, I guess, yeah, the word is excited. <laughs> 
where does excitement show up in you? How do you know you're excited versus how like because excitement versus nervous is like for some people they they can't even tell the difference, right? How do you how how are you able to tell the difference, Charlie? Um, I guess nervousness I feel like in my throat and chest, uh, and excitement like it uh, it's like a a grounding a little bit with that feeling and like more uh, like an energized uh, like an energized calm rather than an energized like scared hmm. if that makes sense <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 yeah I feel similarly I started this talk with y'all feeling a little low and slow it's like May gray, gray May out here in Los Angeles, and it's been quite a bummer. So um, yeah, I started started this chat with y'all feeling just a little sluggish. Um, but at the end, I'm feeling, yeah, I would, I would also echo Charlie's word of just energized and just so uh, jubilant to have chatted with you all. And Maceo, you got some good belly laughs out of me today. So. Um, I'm feeling very grounded and very appreciative of, of this, this time that we all had together. Um, awesome. Well, I'll share too. I think um, if you both were nervous to whatever degree or either of you, you know, I was twice as nervous as you individually. Uh, <laughs> because I'm like feeling like, okay, here's two people I respect. And I've asked them for their time and their energy, and I want to honor that. Uh, and I'm also trying to like make good TV, right? And so the 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 idea is that make good TV thing has to be secondary to the experience of the people that are there during the recording. And there was the technical issues of. It wasn't muted. I wasn't recording my microphone. That like pulled me into my mind in a way that I wasn't when we first hopped on the call. I was like so ready to just dive in with two folks that I like. And then I was like, oh, now I'm in my head, right? Um, but I'm proud of myself for, for settling down a little bit into, into, the, into the shoulders and, and getting a little... I, I feel warm, you know, I feel really good. Um, and so... If selfishly, that's all we get is this really great intro call and like the recording for some reason, heaven forbid, doesn't work out. I'm still really glad I got to bring the two of you together in this virtual call. And um, hopefully one day we'll all be in a new dinner together. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Wouldn't that be something? Macy, it would be the first time that we met in person. Nude. Am I the friend? <laughs> Do you want to be? <laughs> oh my gosh! Now Plot I'm on twist. the spot. Plot Jeez, <laughs> it feels so different. Whoa, it feels so different What's on this side. Somatically for you, Maceo. Oh man, I'm like nervous. Uh-huh. All of a sudden, there's a reason I went by myself the first time, right? Because I think, par- Charlie, I think part of the reason, at least for me, I'll speak, why I went by myself is because I didn't know what my reaction was going to be. And I didn't want to be embarrassed in front of my friend. So maybe where Evian, you might have a person who can stabilize you. 
I'm going to be like, oh, now I'm being, uh, uh, now I'm destabilized in front of someone. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I'm, a, I'm, I'm down for what? I would do it. I would do it. I would do it. Uh, Evian, I would absolutely go. And I would say, you know what? If you, if you can't find anyone, <laughs> let me know. It's like the last. The last resort, not the first, not the first or second, but per, perhaps if I can't. Find I, yeah, yeah, I gotta, I gotta leave myself, I, I gotta leave myself an out. Honestly, I would, I've been before, and maybe there's a way that that is helpful. Yeah. That I can, that I can sort of be more of a, uh, a steward there. So, so, but yes, ask, uh, think about someone else first, and then, and then. <laughs> I'll wait for I'll wait for the dates to be announced. Okay. I'll send it I'll send it to you, Evian. Okay. I'll give you a few days or a week or so, and then and then we'll we'll, we'll do we'll, we'll talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, wonderful to chat with you both. Um, you have um, such great spirits, and I'm glad we were able to laugh together. Um, and I'll, I'll talk to y'all later. Enjoy your day. Mm, thanks, Macy. Yeah, it's good to see Thank you and meet you, Charlie. Yeah, you too. Yeah, you too. Now I have the opportunity of following up with Evian, and this conversation happened a few weeks later. It's just Evian and myself, and we get an opportunity to hear where they are today. And this is a really great conversation as it relates to change and commitment and listening to your body, not just in a moment, but at a meta scale. So... Here we go. Let's tap in. You know, the question is, how would you describe what you're up to today? And, you know, your like general high level bio. Mm. I'll give my bio first um, and then I'll talk about what I've been up to lately. So uh, for the last almost 13 years, I have um, been focusing my work on sex education um, at these intersections of pleasure, embodiment, trauma healing, and um, intimacy. Um, I call myself a sexuality doula, so someone that really helps support and guide folks who are in a space of wanting to heal and reclaim and liberate and embody their own unique sexuality, whatever that looks like for them. And, um, you know, I've done so much in the last 13 years. I've had a podcast, I've had a book, I have, um, written a lot of things, gotten a lot of features, really worked with a lot of interesting people. And, um, I've had a lot of fun doing it. And these days, I'm kind of trying to figure out what that next step is. Um, so for the last two years, I've been in a deep study and a practice of um, somatics, mm-hmm. somatic work, and really trying to blend somatics with these other elements that I already like inhabit which is you know sex sexuality sensuality pleasure being in your body um gender identity all of those things so i'm in a space of like after having done some deep diving and some deep work in and study in somatics as a field trying to figure out how to 
blend those things or merge those things or create something completely different. So you find me at a really um, transitory time because I'm not entirely sure what the next phase of my work is going to look like. I do know that the work that I have been doing, the way that I've been doing my work, not necessarily the work that I've been doing, but the way that I've been doing my work isn't really serving me in the same ways. And um, yeah, I'm trying to figure out what the next 10, 15 years of my work is going to look like. All right. Okay, this is great. I'm catching you at the best time. Are you? Because I have been spiraling, my friend. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Oh, this is what I'm here for. Okay. Um, okay, so let's do this. Let's go backwards and tell me what need were you, did you think you were serving when you started and how did you come to identify the offering that you eventually ended up sort of putting out there? Yeah, the need that I was trying to serve was my own need, which was trying to disentangle myself from decades worth of sexual shame and um, ignorance, as well as a whole bunch of dogma and stigma that was given to me from, you know, parents, pastors, uh, mentors, etc. So I, I came into this work not even really wanting to make this my thing. It was more so like, how do I begin to understand the ways that my own relationship with my body and pleasure and sex and orgasm and all of these things is really fucked up? And I wasn't at the time finding a lot of resources or people that was helping me to figure out like what that could possibly look like. So for me, I was just like, all right, well, I'm not finding the people or the resources that I need. I'm just going to figure it out. And so that's when I started um, chronicling my journey on the Internet really publicly and really vulnerably. And as I did that, folks started to listen and they started to feel and they started to um, get affirmed and validated with their own experiences, which was this wasn't something that I was totally expecting. I thought that I was literally the only person that was dealing with this kind of stuff. Um, and from there, I, I, I feel like the, the work, the position that I've been in was chosen for me. I didn't actually like go into this work with the idea that, oh yes, I'm going to be a sexuality doula. I'm going to be a sex educator. It was more like, I need to figure my shit out. So let me do that. And in that process, I think folks saw me as a leading voice, or at least, at the very least, a possibility model for what is possible for them and their own, which is beautiful. I love that. I love that I've been in that that space for folks. Um, and then in a lot of ways, I'm still in that space with my own self. Like, I'm still trying to figure out and carve out, like, okay, as I age, how has my sexuality shifted? How has my gender shifted? How has the, the ways that I want to be in relationship with folks shifted? How is the relationship with my body shifting? So like, it's not that there isn't still a need for me to do this work, but it isn't as urgent as it was when I first started. In the beginning, it was very like, I got to figure this out because my marriage is on the line. I feel like an alien. And these days I'm like, okay, cool. I'm settled. I'm in my mid-30s. I'm feeling really good in my body. 
Um, also, we're just like in a completely different time now, Norm, which is great. How did you find, like kind of on that note, you were younger, this space wasn't as developed. How did you find the confidence or credibility to even put yourself out there and say like, yes, work with me? <laughs> um, I think my credibility was in that I was doing the work myself mm. and I was very open and honest about the fact that I was doing my work. Um, something that I heard from a lot of people, a lot of the clients that I've worked with, a lot of the folks that have been close followers of my work um, was that they felt that I was trustworthy because they saw the ways that I was embodying this work and um, that I was doing it with a lot of honesty, with a lot of vulnerability and with a lot of like transparency. Like I never build myself to be an expert. I still don't. Um, I never sat on a pedestal and told people like, okay, I went through this transformational experience and now I'm going to teach you how to do it. Like I've always been very clear with folks that like, I'm right there with you in terms of trying to figure all this stuff out. I might just be a few steps further along than you, but you know, I'm, I'm figuring it out too. So I've, I've heard that my credibility has, has come from that. Um, and also like, I've just been in deep study with this for the last, for the last like over a decade. So it's been, it's been really interesting to watch myself transform over the years and really like live out the work that I'm trying to, or I'm hoping to inspire other people to do. And I think that that's been, that's been something that folks can like actually grab onto. Cause there's a lot of people that are like, oh yeah, I went to school for however many years to study this stuff and um, have they actually embodied that work, you know? Yeah, the practical uh, expertise is actually sometimes more valuable than the, than the academic expertise. Um, what, along those lines, where do you think people are finding you or what have been reasons why people sought to work with you? What do you think it is that they are seeking? Mm. You know, it's really, that is a really good question. I don't really know so much these days. In the past, it was because of that urgent need, you know, like people just really uh, wanting to figure their own self out and like not having very many avenues by which to to do that, like not having a lot of guides, not having a lot of resources. Um, and also just like the other pieces that I've talked about, about, you know, me doing this work very publicly and folks feeling like, oh, I can trust this person because they are showing up and talking about their journey in a way that like not everybody else, not a lot of people do. Um, so I think in the past folks found, folks found me because they, they enjoyed or at least identified with my own struggle or with my own sense of urgent need to try to figure this out. Um, these days, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, I would be, I would actually be really curious to see why folks these days continue to, to want to work with me. Um, especially because there are so many resources and so many other avenues that folks can take. Um, 
yeah, like I said, I'm in a real transitory phase right now. So no, this is this is really good. <laughs> um, I mean, I can tell you what I hope. I hope yeah, that I yeah. hope that folks come to me and they come to my work because um, and they come to want to work with me because they they still feel a sense of um, mm, resonance with what I talk about and not even not necessarily of what I talk about, but how I talk about it. And um, I hope that it feels approachable to people. I hope that it feels um, easy in the sense that there's ease in these avenues of exploration and like discovery that they can find within themselves. And I hope that it feels um, doable, you know? Um, that's what I hope, but. <laughs> okay. Um, so that is good. That, that sounds great. Um, there is something you talk about, and I, I, I think I, I listened to the conversation we had with Charlie, but you talk about, uh, I want to tie this connection between your personal journey and the work that you help people through, and it, it is around, you know, finding your edges and wanting to um, listen and trust your body, mm. but, and both acknowledging that you have habits and protective measures that maybe are supporting you today, but they don't support the person that you'd like to be, which is the whole point of like going up against your edges and trying to grow past, yeah. you know, these learned behaviors. So in your, in your work right now, either when you're working with someone or if you were to give your own self-advice as like your own client, you know, how do you think through that visceral feeling of, you know, I want to trust my body and my body is saying not to get up and go to the gym today because mm -hmm. my body is not trained to get up and go to the gym. And what my body is telling me is you're exhausted. You need to rest. But you have this goal in mind, which is, no, I want to improve my physical fitness. And so I've decided that going to the gym is important and you want to honor that commitment to yourself but you also have to listen to your body and, and like decide what to do with that information that you have. And now insert the gym experience with a sexual experience, insert the gym with going to um, a date, uh, yeah. insert that with going to a naked dinner party, right? Whatever, whatever that is, there is yeah. feedback you're getting from your body that's counter to, you know, the future or, you know. Uh, version of yourself that you're working towards and how do you think through the negotiation there mm. the first thing that comes up for me around that is capacity like what do I have capacity to do today towards furthering that goal because some days are better or worse than others for me you know like if I if I think about um, and I'm sure we're going to talk about this around uh, you know going to a naked dinner party right I may wake up this morning and feel like, oh, that's totally doable. I, I want to do that. And then as the day wears on, I start to get nervous and I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if this is something that I should do. And then I check in with myself like, okay, so I'm feeling some hesitancy. I'm feeling some nerves. Maybe, maybe I'm feeling really tired and I don't have like the social battery that I thought I did um, as, as time wears on. How can I honor the desire that I had 
and still have potentially to like go on this dinner while also honoring what my, what my body and my mind is telling me, which is like, Oh, I don't know, sis, like it might, this might be too much of an edge for us or like, we're really tired. Do I have capacity to be with that feeling of tiredness or nervousness and invite that into the experience? Like, do I have capacity to sit with that and hold that while I'm at dinner and like invite that with me? If I have the capacity to do that, because that takes work and it takes a lot of like self-reflection and a lot of, um, a lot of like inner listening that sometimes you have the capacity to do and sometimes you don't. Um, if I have that, then it's like, okay, I'm willing to push myself. And maybe it's like, I'll give myself, like I have capacity to, to, to join, to enter, but maybe after 30 minutes, I check in with myself and I'm like, I'm ready to go home. Like, this was good for me. Yeah. Or maybe I get there and I'm like, this is a blast. I want to come every time. Let's keep this party going. So, or, or checking in with myself and being like, oh, actually I don't have capacity to invite the nervous parts of me or the tired parts of me to show up to this party. It would be a disservice for me to override my body, override my capacity by trying to further a goal that would honestly just be lost on me anyway, if I'm not showing up to it fully. So for me, again, it just coming back to capacity, like what do I have capacity to do? Because it's all work, even in that decision to be like, I'm going to RSVP. No, I'm going to change my mind and say no. Instead, I'm going to tend to myself. That's also work and takes inner listening as well. You know, I like that you're um, kind of connecting it to decision making. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite things is, you know, like if I were to name one of the most fundamental parts of my practice is like embodied cognition, mm. which is like thinking in the body. And, and if your brain is part of your body, then your body is also part of your brain. Yeah. Right. And so when we say things don't make sense or when we say things do make sense, that sense making isn't just happening in one organ. Right. It's happening in all of the organs all at the t- same time. Yeah. And so to be able to say, oh, you know what? I felt I saw the email, my spine activated and I clicked. Yes. Guess what? That was four weeks ago. Now the night of the event, the date, the morning of the going to the gym. I am like, yeah, that was cool. But that was four weeks ago when I when I signed up for this thing. How am I feeling currently in this moment? Well, you know, I'm actually I'm actually quite tired because of some things that have transpired between that day and this one. Yeah. And so I'm actually operating on real information that needs to be factored into the present moment's decision making. Yeah? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that's like, that's, that's powerful. You know, um, it's powerful to tap into that, that information. It's powerful to tap into your own inner knowledge system, like the ways that you can figure out what decision to make or how, how you feel in order to get to that decision. Um, yeah, it's, it's one of like, it's, it's something that's taken a lot of practice for me to, to get into and to really like fine tune because I am a chronic people pleaser. So like mm. anytime I'm like, Oh yeah, girl, go ahead. And I'll show up to that. I'm like, was that a, an enthusiastic yes from my own being? Or did that come from the part of me that's like, I have to say yes because I want you to like me. Mm. So it takes a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of ways that that knowledge can get like 
kerfluffled. I don't know if that's the word, but uh, it is, it is a real word. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like it, it takes a lot of practice. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of uh, self-honesty, you know, I want everyone to like me. Yeah, same. I want everyone to like me and have a crush on me and think I'm cool and same. think I'm, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> if I say no, then they're going to be let down and then I'm going to be like, well, yeah. they don't like me anymore. Yeah. But I'm realizing that I'm kind of an asshole. Hmm. And it's good. Say more about that because I think I could afford to yeah. have more inner asshole. <laughs> the pandemic allowed me to realize which and how many encounters actually were additive to my life because mm. there was a bunch of stuff that just didn't happen anymore and then you had to like ask yourself well am i willing to get covid to potentially go to this movie and you're like no i'm not going to do that yeah or like to potentially go on this random birthday encounter thing and you're like nah i'm not really going to risk that so but then that that this that decision making carries forward in sort of um a more evolved uh, pandemic state. And um, now I'm, I'm actually, I have my barometer. I was able to train my inner decision-making process of, do I actually want to do this? Or yeah. was it a good idea? And like when I actually did my accounting for my energy and my time, I didn't have it in the bank. Mm. And so instead of going into the deficit of energy and time, I just you know, redirected and, and, and made a change of plans. Now, what that also did is created a whole c ethic around communication. Yeah. That is another whole piece. Uh, but that's hard. Mm -hmm. But but there is that. Right. And so where the where the asshole piece comes from is there's the detachment from the opinions of other folks uh, and a connection to uh, my um, desired identity and desired way of being. And so that's like integrous. Mm -hmm. And so the, the sort of axis is, all right, well, what's the integrous move here? And integrity being like my whole being, mind, body, spirit, you know, emotional, what is, what's resonating here? And then um, make, and that being the first priority, right? And then the second priority being what, scale of commitment is was made here is mm -hmm. this something that is irreversibly once in a lifetime is this gonna like how big of an inconvenience did i say i was gonna pick you up from the airport yeah and then i'm tired so i'm flaking mm -hmm. and you're now landing mm -hmm. that's huge that's that's a much larger inconvenience mm -hmm. than maybe i'm a i'm a little tired because i didn't get my nap in mm -hmm. right yeah. That's a, I'll suck it up because I made a really big, you know, uh, inconvenience for the size of inconvenience to myself. Right. And also that was my fault for not getting a nap in because I had every opportunity to do mm -hmm. so. The other version is, all right, you know what? I don't even know this person that well. I'm going to be one of 50 people at this function. Nobody, or at, let's say it's the gym. Nobody at the gym cares if I, it's like a commitment to myself right. and it may be a commitment to my future self. But when I think about the relationship to the commitment or the relationship to the myself that I'm building, it's how big is a uh, withdrawal from this commitment going to impact their dynamic? Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, you know, we can just reschedule. Yeah. So I'll sometimes do the same check-in with somebody else that I do 
with myself, which is, hey, would it be, would it, would it like ruin your day if I, if I canceled? And they're like, you know, I was really looking forward to it. And I'm like, well, maybe their excitement about our meeting is going to actually give me a boost of energy that I kind of need. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm so glad that you're bringing up the whole communication thing because, you know, as I was talking about inner knowledge and, you know, figuring out what your capacity levels are, remembering that, like, it's not just a solo decision that you're making. You're also, like, potentially um, shirking on a responsibility, a commitment that you made with somebody else. And I definitely had that happen many times in in this process of being like, okay, I want to honor my capacity and I also want to honor my commitment. And sometimes it feels really impossible to do both. And so again, it becomes a, a question of capacity. Do I have capacity with my capacity to show up to this function or this meeting with my tiredness? Um, do I have capacity to disappoint a friend and like have, maybe a hard conversation in a few days or a few weeks about my inability to not show up because I didn't take a nap or um, I got sick or something like that. Um, but it's it's really important to like, you know, we're in community with each other. Like I'm always wondering how can I be in right relationship with myself while also being in right relationship with the people around me, the people that I've made commitments to. And I feel really lucky that I have cultivated a group of friends that offer me a lot of grace and compassion when those capacity levels are low, just as I offer them the same. Like it's a reciprocal conversation or a reciprocal um, relationship that we're in where like if one of my homies got their period today and we said that we were going to meet up and they're like, hey, I'm feeling really raggedy. Like... I offer them grace to to cancel because I would hope that they would do the same for me. Mm -hmm. And if there are any friends of mine that take issue with that, I mean, I, you know, we find out pretty quickly, quickly that like we may not be compatible in terms of the way that we flow and like want to listen to our bodies and our capacity. Yeah. So grace as a principle is partly why I think friendship is the vehicle that can help us save the world. Mm. that in the current economic climate that we have, the current social climate that we have, we have a much stricter adherence to um, a commitment of any size. That Then it's like, well, you're justified in, you know, backlashing against someone because they flaked on you or completely writing them off. When I, I sort of would love to live in a world and sort of hope to... Um, uh, espouse the idea that there's an ex- exchange of grace between us and there is a bed of compassion as a starting point. Mm. Now, of course, that well can run dry, right? Um, and those levels of commitment, you know, breakage or maintenance, you know, influence that those that well. But you, you, everyone has a balance with each other mm-hmm. as a starting point, and that I think that grace and respect comes from it. So, um. It would be fine if you were like, yeah, was into it. Now I'm not into it. I think even um, the, the it offers a question of like, well, what work am I in right now? You know, like, uh, am I in the work of working on protecting myself, honoring myself, building that up? And, you, and you're like, no, I have to be in the practice of selfishness right now. And that's actually the harder thing to commit to. Mm-hmm. And so feeling the 
discomfort of canceling on someone, knowing that you're letting them down is actually the muscle that you're trying to build so that you don't continue to run yourself ragged for other people. Yeah. Right. Like that could be. And then and then conversely, you could be in a season of life where you're like, I've actually done a lot of that. I'm really full. I'm really filled up. And I've actually along the way developed some bad habits around protecting my space because I, I, I created a little via, uh, cocoon for that inner child. And now I need to, I need to balance that out with uh, finding safe places to extend myself mm-hmm. and, and be open and vulnerable because guess what? what you think your role is supposed to be at this thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're like, well, I don't have it in me to perform today. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, actually, maybe, maybe there's no performance needed. And that person doesn't even want that from you. And you're like, oh, well, then how about let's just like look at each other. <laughs> we don't have to do an activity. You yeah. Know? Imagine that. Imagine a friendship. Imagine relationships that aren't based on you having to perform. You actually had a you had a post about this uh, at one point where you were saying you and your partner were like not doing anything together. And that was what you were doing. It was like more of a parallel play. Like maybe they're in another room, but you know that you're sharing time or space, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like the the idea of like being able to be comfortable with somebody enough that like you don't have to be like interacting or conversing with each other all the time you mm-hmm. can be in in the same space or tangentially around each other and that that can still be a way to be in community with each other yeah i don't know yeah i'm i'm really into uh i want to i want to develop uh and this isn't like a brand new idea but i want to develop the concept of orbitals in relationship as mm-hmm. like the contemporary relationship conversation, which it's like, it, it, it's, you know, some of it's like polyamory, but it's not really uh, because it might mean that we still have a connection, but may there's like, you know, I moved to Portugal for three years and our, our relationship was really more about like us playing tennis. And yeah. it's hard to do that when I live in Portugal and you live in LA. Right. And so, you know, that there's a dormancy to our connection but one day you're like, hey, I'm traveling. I know you're in Portugal. I'm going to be in town. Uh, and you say, and I say, oh, my God, this is so amazing. And then we get together, we grab dinner, we reconnect. So it's like you're you're still in my orbit, but the frequency has changed. Mm. And so there's we allow seasonality in our relationships and not so much like an on-off. Yeah. Oof. That's something that I could definitely uh, afford to strengthen my tolerance with because I'm very I've been getting into uh attachment styles yeah I'm definitely an anxious attachment you're like if we're not in connection then I don't even know if I know you yeah like (laughs) if you told me that we're like we're really good friends and I haven't heard from you in four weeks I'm like well that doesn't make sense in my brain how can we be really good friends if you haven't spoken to me in four weeks so I'm like really trying to I love what you mentioned about like relationships or friendships can go through their own seasons and to not like pathologize that or make it a big deal but just like see it as like as you said the frequency of the orbit has changed yeah there's a a, um, 
one in Tenet called the Comet Relationships. Yes, I've heard of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a, that's super fascinating to me, the idea that, like, you know, maybe it's not once under every hundred years, but, like, <laughs> there is some kind of, like, really rich experience that you have. And you're like, man, that I don't know if I could handle that kind of experience every day. It's actually a lot. Mm. But, you know, a, a six weeks goes by and you're like, you know what? I I miss that person or, you know, it, it, you know, the, the timing whenever you are able to get together because you live in different countries or just the way you interact isn't necessarily on a daily basis kind of flow mm-hmm. that you, you are able to have these rich and ex, uh, rich experiences that aren't all, that aren't also uh, sort of reoccurring, you know? Yeah. I think I could do that if if there was a solid foundation within that particular friendship and or I already had a solid foundation of friendships around me. Because one thing that I'm noticing is I've had a lot of friends and friendships that um, were comet friendships, but, you know, it wasn't really talked about in that way. There wasn't a lot of co- uh, cognizance about that. I would feel frustrated with that because there would be this... Um, this assumption that there is a closeness and there is a, um, a consistency, a continuity between us. And then we would float out of each other's orbit. And I'm like, but wait, we, how, that's not what we agreed upon. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I think in, in those instances, if I knew that like, oh, my friend Maceo is one of my Comet buddies, they're going to flit in and out of my life. That's cool. I have five other homies that are more like the stable. Yeah, trees, you know, forests that I can walk through and they're planted and they're grounded. And um, I know that they can be a a consistent source of friendship or connection for me. That would feel better. But I think a lot of my friends in most of my adult life have been very much like flitting in and out. And that can be really destabilizing for someone like me, you know, because I want consistency. I'm an earth sign. That's what I like. Yeah, absolutely. I get that. Um, I don't identify with it at all, but I get it. I theoretically <laughs> yeah. understand yeah. exactly what you're saying, and it makes perfect sense conceptually to me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have the least amount of earth in my chart. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, that's partially why I tend to meet people in transitory states of their life and in transitory conversations because they're already up in the air and they're like, I'm... I'm I'm floating. I'm I'm drifting off, and I'm like, hey, no, no, no. Let's. I will show you the way <laughs> of the water and of the air. Okay, so you're a water air baby. I'm water and air. I'm, okay. but I'm also so sun sign is Leo. Okay, but it's like no ground. Mm. It's like I'm steamy. I'm hot. I'm wet. I'm floating. You know, and uh, you know, people people sometimes don't. They don't like all those things. Ah, uh, yeah. They I'm... don't. They don't like all those things at once. <laughs> I'm very much a. Uh... A Virgo. I've got a lot of Virgo in my chart. You know, one thing that's actually kind of interesting about this is that I felt in working with you a pull towards like wanting to send you an agenda. <laughs> and I was like, but that's not how I roll. It's like, I know I should do this, but I'm also like, because then I will be making an explicit commitment. Yeah. And then I won't do that. Yeah. Like, I'll, I think it's like 
on the one hand, it's like better to not do it because at least you know what you're getting into. You know you're getting into there's no agenda kind of conversation. And you can manage your own, like, and me trusting you to manage your own Mm -hmm. desire to, you know. And then I'm like, what I'm tacitly saying is that there's a ton of flexibility here in time and conversation type in subject matter. And you could just be like, no, can't do that today. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you actually were sick one of the times. I was. Right. Yeah. So capacity wasn't th- wasn't there. Right. Yeah. All good. For me, it was like, OK, flow, flow, flow. But if I'm like, here's an agenda. Here's the bullet points. This is what we're going to talk about. The time, the date, whatever. And then I feel like it can put then you're like, you know, that mm-hmm. this is where locked in. And then I'm going to be like, all right. And next question. Or don't worry, we're going to edit every, you know, it's like. <laughs> That's not even how I want the podcast to feel. You yeah. Know? No, I, I really appreciate that you you mentioned that because that's something that I have noticed about our interactions is that they're very open and very free flowing. And I think if if this was happening to me five years ago, it would have bugged the shit out of me because <laughs> I generally like to have like, OK, I need the plan. I need to know where A is going to be and then where B is going to happen and what like what are the questions? What's the agenda? Um, but because I, I'm in, I'm in a season in my life where I really want to like stretch and like get out of needing to know all of the answers. I am like super willing and I I have a lot more capacity to be like, okay, I'm just going to show up and I don't really know what's going to happen, but I'm just going to flow with it. And I, I've been enjoying that. I've been enjoying like watching myself be able to like get out of the comfy, rooted grounded tree that I can sometimes be and like float I don't really have any air in my chart if you didn't notice Mm, yeah (laughs) but it's so cool though because the moment I saw you I felt like "Ah." but I don't do that for myself you know Mm, mm -hmm. Um, and that's where the that's why I like the orbit language because there are different planets that do different things right like I might be like a mercury kind of you know, Saturn type of, you know, figure. Mm. Um, and then you might be like, you know, Venusian or something or more of a Jupiter kind of vibe. Yeah. Um, anyway, that, that's a, that's a, that's a interesting thing. So, um, okay. So let's talk about this. Um, let's talk about this event, right? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I, I, I listened to the recording and actually we did a great job of laying out an opportunity but neither one of us were like, this is happening. Yeah. It was like, let's, we're open to the idea of possibly thinking about maybe doing this thing and then like asterisks possibly together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps maybe. And that's how it was for me too. I was sort of like, okay, we put, we put the idea on the table, you know, let's see what happens with it. Yeah. And like, no one like snatched it off the table. Yeah. It, it's still, I think on the table. Yeah. But it's like, it's on the table. You yeah. Know? yeah. And yeah, so yeah. Um, I guess uh, let's operate from the perspective of, OK, so you you kind of like softly invited me to be the person that you went with. <laughs> yeah. And I had never met you in person before. Right. And I'm like listening to the way that you were talking about how that second person, what their role in your life might be. <laughs> To help stabilize you. Oh, I'm sorry. Co-regulate. And I'm like, what if I can't even do that generally? Like, what if I'm not? Yeah. What if we don't? What if I don't do that for you in life? (laughs) 
then I would just be a chaos agent and it would make it even worse. Unless, you know, I had capacity for chaos. Un- unless you had capacity for chaos, right? So yeah. then so then I'm like, oh, snap. Um, and for me, I was yeah. just like, that could be cool. I wasn't like really married to the idea of you being my my plus one or my counterpart um, of that. But I was like, oh, Maceo's there. We could go together. It was just something flippant. How do you think about bringing aspects of yourself into the public are you more like i'm just gonna do it with my community first Mm. or like does it take energy from you to hop on the internet and be vulnerable or does that give you energy because it seems like your whole practice of like rawness in public has been so foreign to me considering you're talking about your earth sign and like (laughs) not having a lot of air i'm like to me that is something i would never do yeah and feels really improvisational and fluid yeah i i've i've had people ask me this question before like how how is it that you're able to just very vulnerably open yourself up to a whole group of strangers and talk about things that most people don't talk about publicly like is it hard for you? Do you think about it a lot before you say it? Is there, you know, steps that you have to take to psych yourself up? And like, it, it just comes very natural to me. I don't know what it is. I just show up and I had an astrology reading a few years ago. Maybe I already talked about this on the podcast, um, that, uh, my astrologer told me that I have an imperative to change and transform mm. And I think I lead from that place of just wanting to transform and just be authentic and honest about my transformation. I don't know. It's just it's just how I'm built. I don't know. Maybe I'm it's a interesting. overshare. <laughs> it's interesting because like 10 minutes into the conversation, Evian's like, I was masturbating <laughs> as a child. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and again, for me, that that comes both from like, you know, just having done this work and it's, I've been sex, sexuality, masturbation, all those things are so desensitized for me. Like I can just like, I was talking to my mom about sex on my podcast. Like it was nothing. And for me, it's just like, yeah, that's what humans do. It's the same way as like, I would talk to you about taking a breath. Like that's how it feels for me. Um, that sounds like a fun day. Yeah. But, <laughs> and then, and then there's also just the, the, I think that other piece of just like, you know, wanting to read the room. I, I think I even hesitated being like, I'm not sure if I should say this. Cause like, I don't know who has capacity to hear that. And I, I'm very sensitive to folks who have, who have their own feelings or their own, um, privacy, sense of privacy about things like that. So yeah. I don't want to just like word vomit my own experience, but I also understand that like, these are things that a lot of us are talking about thinking about doing about so like may as well just bring it up yeah i mean that's why i say you know don't you know open it if you can close it as well Mm -hmm. you know because there is a balance between the work and exploration that we're doing to find our healing pathways and then like being messy yeah you know like trauma dumping is an example but also just exhibitionism which is like that is about there's some there's something about exhibitionism that is about the power that we get from having one's attention mm. 
And it's so interesting how, you know, you could be vulnerable and get attention, but it's the quality and nature of how someone's paying attention to you. Um, You had talked about being one of the few black people in a space. Yeah. Which is so fascinating to me because part of what I enjoy about my personal experience on earth is that I'm special. I'm different. So I'm always the only me in any space. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's really lonely. Sometimes that makes me feel in danger. And other times I'm like, yeah, I'm doing this thing that literally no one else is doing or could. And so the balance between exceptionalism and being an outcast it's like the same two sides of the same coin Mm. and so you have now created a a sort of I guess a career or something like that around your unique offering how much of that do you you know how much of that is polarized by like a negative feeling as well like that you have to maybe continue to just deliver new aspects of yourself to the world or is that just like that's natural for you and it doesn't feel extractive to you yeah I think you know you're touching on something that I've been thinking about privately a lot as I'm in this transitory space with my work is that like I have been sharing my life and not just my life but like some very intimate and very personal parts of my life on the internet for like 15 years and I had this thought Um, the other day, actually, while I was doing the dishes, like, I've been talking about this transitory phase that I'm in as, like, um, as burnout, like, feeling just, like, I, I'm, part, aspects of my work just aren't lighting me up as much as, as they were anymore, like, I, I had a podcast, or I've had a podcast since 2015, and I just, the idea of doing a podcast again just feels really like, ah, I just don't like, I don't have the same desire or passion for it. And there are other spaces about my work that I'm feeling the same, like writing a book. I was, I was in the process of writing a book and I'm like, oh, this ain't it either. And I started to think like, what is it? Is it burnout or am I just moving out of this phase of wanting to share my life in this way? Like, am I just like, okay, I'm kind of, done or tired or I just need to like lay down this this desire to like share myself in this way have I moved on from that and that's something that I've been sort of sitting with a little bit just trying to figure out like what exactly is the nature of this of this transitory phase that I'm in with my work is it burnout and or it it could be both burnout and also just like I am changing and I don't feel that I think, you know, you, you use the word extractive. And I think um, one of the things that has been on my mind a lot as we move deeper into like social media and video and like sharing ourselves and like trying to make ourselves into brands is that like before it felt really fun for me. It felt really exploratory and generative. And yeah, these days it, it is feeling extractive. It's feeling like in order to be seen, I have to perform. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't feel good. The performance felt good for a long time. Like I was cool to put on that role and to have that 
to have that space. But, um, these days I'm, I'm noticing that I prefer to like not be on the internet like that anymore. Like I, I just feel better in my body. I feel like I'm able to be more present to what is actually happening here and not so much here. I'm uh, gesturing to my body and my head. Uh, yeah, that just, you saying that just like click some things for me that I've been thinking about. Yeah. Um, that I resonates with me. I think there's a number of us that have had, you know, one type of performance or another, whether it was like internet based or what have you over the past, you know, 15 years or so, uh, since not just social media, but since digital content has been more easily to, you know, able to be produced. Yeah. Um, and I remember, you know, it needed, you required to have a film crew and some microphones to get stuff online. And it was like, where can you upload this and who can edit it? And now it's like, no, we can do that right now immediately. And so, you know, we maybe went to, interestingly enough, Charlie was doing digital content and then turned it into an in-person event. But I, um, I was thinking about how the scarcity of in-person events mm-hmm. is actually precious and it can create something rare. Mm-hmm. Um, even though we're doing a digital podcast and most people are going to encounter it, like what's happening between you and I is physical and get to meet you. And it's like, right. it's cool. It's amazing. You actually like uh, read completely differently than, than I would have thought. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. What is, tell me more. <laughs> Curious. Um, <laughs> it's interesting because you're actually way more beautiful in person. <laughs> Thanks. Like your skin is like doing it. It's like, oh, it's doing like a whole thing. <laughs> and, and I'm like, oh, wow, cool. But it feels familiar. Mm. Like, um, like mm. I could have given you like a really long hug. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And been like, oh yeah, this is my friend Evian. We've had, you know, a few hours of conversation, but whatever physically is, it's like, oh yeah, what's up buddy? Like, hey, you know? <laughs> um, and I think, I, the the impression that I got just from online was, you know, that you're just like so delicate mm. and sensitive. Mm-hmm. And that may be true also, but yeah. I encounter like a sturdiness or a grounding energy, mm. which is like there is like some weight that you can hold and carry, which I wouldn't have expected that. Oh, that's really nice. That's really, really nice. Thank you for, for yeah. sharing that. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's, you're, you're touching on an aspect of this that it, I'm, I'm burnt out about, which is that like, you know, the internet is great and my internet persona is fine. And I've really tried to like cultivate that with as much authenticity as possible. Like really not wanting people to see me as a one dimensional person on the internet. And I think maybe that helps because I'm so, you know, uh, transparent about my own process and things like that. Uh, but like, I can try as hard as I want to, to appear a certain way, but everybody's going to read that through their own lens. I mean, that happens in person too. Right. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't like the way that my internet persona is actually really flattened, you know, like, 
And part of me is like, that's cool. You get to meet me in person and have a completely different yeah. experience and be surprised. Um, but a majority of the people who follow my work will never get a chance to meet me. And there is that that aspect where I'm like, how does that feel? Like, how does Y'all don't feel? even know. You know what I mean? Y'all don't even know. <laughs> Evian be out here. You know what I mean? Sturdy. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fucking tree. I'm a redwood tree. Well, actually, that's what I was thinking is like, <laughs> I, I would have initially thought more floral mm. and now I think more herbal. Interesting. Yeah. Not quite a tree because I do think that there is a responsiveness to the wind. Yeah. That yeah. is like in there, like maybe you're swaying and like, that's not always comfortable, but it's happening. I think I'm less of a redwood and more of a weeping willow. I think that's, oh. that's more my thing. I'm like, I'm like in it, but I've got the emotions. I'm a cancer moon. So. Right. It, they're all in there. It's like, <laughs> exactly. but you're actually quite stable and it doesn't always feel that way. Mm, yeah. There could be so much movement where you're like, that's the experience. Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually a really interesting point. Okay. So let's talk about um, having a body for a second. Yeah. Um, you know, mind connected to the body and this, that, and the other thing, these systems that are interconnected there is a there is one side of things which is um you know like uh positivity like sort of bypassing Mm -hmm. and then there's letting the negative experience of a bad moment become a bad day Mm -hmm. right and there is this element of choice that undergirds this which is like the question for you is, do you feel in charge of your experience a, a good amount of time? Or do you feel like experiences are happening to you and you have to then like always be responding? Yeah, I think this is where my work and my study and my practice of somatics has been huge for me. Because if you would have asked me this like five, three years ago, I would have been like, oh, yeah, the world is happening to me. Um, these days, I feel like I am in conversation with what's happening around me, that it's not something that's being like, you know, forced upon me, but that I have a choice to respond um, and to use my body to respond in any given situation at any given time. Great example of this is when I travel, I hate traveling. It's like one of the easiest ways for me to dissociate and like shoot up into my head. And like it really, traveling does really, create an environment where it feels like it's happening to me because there are aspects of traveling where it is, you know, going through TSA and being shepherded onto a plane and all of that. Um, and this last, this last trip that I took, um, I was really trying to put into practice, like, how can I be in this environment that causes me so much stress and so much anxiety and it's just really deeply uncomfortable? How can I still find a way to meet, to have my body meet that with as much softness as and presence as possible, even in the suck. Like there was a point where I was going through TSA, they were swiping my ID and they're like, oh, unfortunately you can't go through because we have the wrong name. You have to go to the airline. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to be late. And I could feel this thing inside of my body being like, why is this happening? Like, I just want to get there. And I just took a breath and I was like, okay, I can't change it. 
you know, me getting upset about it isn't going to change the fact that I have to go to the airline desk, wait in line. There's like 20 other people in front of me. I might miss my flight. What would it be like for me to just like be in my body right now and be in this experience and just be like, huh, okay, this sucks. Like, just do the best I can to breathe and try to find even a modicum of of enjoyment or ease in that moment. And I remember standing in line. There's like, like I said, 20 people ahead of me. They all had these huge bags and all I needed was to just go to the front desk and like have them change my name. Um, and I remember just like watching these people and feeling like, oh my God, I think I'm going to miss my flight. This is going to suck. And I just like felt my feet on the ground And I was like, okay, cool, 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 cool. I have a body. Yes, that's right. Let's remember that I have a body. So like feeling my feet on the ground, looking at the colors around me, watching the interactions happen between the people that were like in the line with me and just like really allowing myself to be immersed in that experience rather than immersing in myself into the fear, anxiety, stress, and just like, I don't want to be here. Get me the fuck out of here. Like, no, what would it be like for me to just like be here right now? And it was really interesting. I mean, not only did the line move really fast, it moved a lot faster than than I thought it would. Like, I ended up being way less stressed. Like, typically when I'm traveling and something like that happens, I'm, like, texting my partner, like, oh, I can't believe the TSA fucking blah, blah, blah. I was just like, oh, it's chill. I mean, I'm going to get there either way, so I may as well just allow what is happening to me be a part of, you know, the experience that I welcome in. And, you know, therefore I sort of transmute it into being like, okay, it's not happening to me. It's happening for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's say career wise, do you have any constraints on when you need to get answers for this stuff? Oh, Self-imposed God. or otherwise? Yo, let me not read myself. This is where, this is, this is the part of my own experience where that is really difficult for me to do. Like, mm. I have a real issue with not knowing answers. I actually wrote about this on my Substack a few weeks ago about, um, there's this quote, it's a Buddhist quote, not knowing is most intimate. And I heard this on a podcast and I was like, the fuck? Not knowing is most intimate? What the, f- who would ever possibly? And then like, I let that information like- That's land. why it hit you because it, it it messed you up. It messed me up. And then the moment that I just was like, okay, let me- f- have that settled my <laughs> it wouldn't have been so confronting if yeah. it wasn't important yeah and i've i've been i've been like it's been a practice for me to come back to that quote over and over again especially because i'm in such a space of unknown with my work um it's really difficult i think for like the reason why it's difficult for me is like a one hour travel delay that's nothing but like when it comes to the work it's like this is my life this is my livelihood this is how i make money how can I not know what I'm supposed to be doing? Because then how am I going to pay my rent? What am I going to be doing with my days? I can't just be lying on the couch watching Love Island, waiting for an idea to strike me. Like I'm very, very uncomfortable with um, the unknown in that sense. And that has been my practice over the last year, really. Over the last two years, really, I've been in this transitory phase. of just trying to be like, okay, well, I'm here. Yeah. So you're, you're in it right now. You're, and and I guess the thing is, it's been a couple years. You're also still alive. Oh, by the grace of God. You know, you're, you're currently, (laughs) I'm sitting, looking at you. I 
Um, Look in my veins right now. It's not, you know, it's not just an audio <laughs> file or some pixels. So that's good. Congrats. Proud of you. Thanks. Um, but I think that's also like an indication that you have time. Maybe not all the time in the world. Yeah. But you, you definitely have more than 15 minutes. You have more than an hour. Yeah. Maybe you even have more than a week. Mm-hmm. So what it, what would it look like if you gave yourself a deadline and that was the same kind of deadline you would make for a commitment with you, what you would have with someone else? Hey, I'm going to make a commitment to have this thing done. I'm going to check in with myself on the, the, the day over the 19th. And if I need to give myself some grace, I'll give myself some grace, but you will have put a commitment in the ground for the earthy Virgo part of yourself that needs answers. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because then what you'll say is I will have answers by X date. And you can, you can noodle on that deadline knowing that you made it and it's artificial to you. Mm. And then when that, as that date approaches, you're like, why did I make this the date? Yeah. Oh, you know, because it's your birthday or whatever. What's, mm-hmm. what's your birthday? Uh, September 15th. All right. So then, you know, I call you on September 15th and I wish you a happy birthday. And I say, how are things going? Mm. And you go, you know what? It didn't help. <laughs> I'm still in the same spot. <laughs> and I'm like, fair. That was like a nice little experiment. Yeah. Or I call you September 15th and you say, you know, having this as a deadline was actually really helpful because, you know, that was a month and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I some because I had that deadline, some things I, I I was forced to put some things into place or whatever, you know, whatever. I don't know. Um, and then, you know, we go to the new the new uh, dinner later that week. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe that's what we talk about at the at the thing. Can we talk about. OK, first, I want to acknowledge your your really great idea um, of the, you know, putting a deadline on it. A checkpoint. Think, yeah, I think that that would be. Like a check-in point. I think that that would be really helpful for me. Um, so thank you for that. I also want to talk about this nude party thing. <laughs> I know. I keep... I keep. I can, you know why it's fascinating to me? Mm. Is because I'm not sure that I want to do it. Okay. I did it on my own. Yeah. And I was like, this is fine. Mm-hmm. But I also left like right after the program was over. Okay. You were like, Get, I'm ready to go. Yeah, not because of anything that right. they did. It was just like you were, you got what you came for. Yeah, I was like, I did it. I'm proud of myself. Okay, okay. Yeah. It's like I did. It was like an ice plunge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Socially. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What were your thoughts? Um, I feel. I'm trying to remember what we talked about. Um. The first time we had this conversation, I know that I, I was having some trepidation about being the only black person in the space. And that was looming large for me as I got multiple invites to go to this thing. You know, this is something that I like in theory. Like, it sounds really cool in theory. But then the practice of it, I was like, how's that going to work? So I was thinking, I was thinking about, like, large things and also, like, very small things. Small things would be, like... So we're naked, right? What is the temperature of the room? Because I am chronically cold all the time. Am I allowed to bring a robe or a blanket? Will blankets be supplied? Or is that something that like you're not allowed to do because it's supposed to be naked? I hate being cold. So that was one thing. I was thinking about the food. It's vegan. Yes. 
Yeah. Okay. Plant-based. Vegan friends, you have my heart, but like, I want the gluten. I want the cheese, like full fat from a cow, from a goat, from like, I want the butter. So I was like, okay, so I might be cold and I might be eating fake cheese. So just like thinking about that. Then I was also thinking about these other larger things of like being the only black person in the room and like how, how I've been in situations, um, particularly at like Korean spas or, um, uh, like locker rooms for a pool where I'm literally the only black person in the room and the stares that I get for having the kind of body that I have, which is melanated, which is, you know, looking a particular kind of way, having different characteristics and white bodies, I feel put on display. So I started thinking about like, okay, so I'm going to be cold. I'm going to be eating probably cashew cheese, which is like no shade. Like seriously, like I, cashew cheese is delicious, but like if I had my way, I would eat regular cheese. Um, I might be the only black person in the room. I'm going to probably be like gawked at. How do I feel about that? And so like coming back to capacity, I'm like, do I have capacity to deal? And those are just the few that I named. I mean, there's so many more, but like, do I have capacity to be in that environment with all of these, with all these odds stacked against me? They're odds. I mean, no, they are odds. No, they are (laughs) odds. They are because you never know. Right. When you think of the probability of what it would mean for you to have an incredible experience, these are questions that come up and some of them are yeah. like easily answered by, you know, it's going to be 72 degrees. Is that warm enough? You know, <laughs> probably. Not. So, and then and then there's <laughs> other ones where like there is the answer is there and it's and it's a no, there will not be yeah. uh dairy cheese there and like do you have a capacity to show up and be possibly hungry i mean there there it is too like what this is bringing up for me is like i am a hedonist to my core i want to do things that make me feel good i don't want to do things that don't make me feel good yeah you're like i'm not trying to do the ice challenge we talked about that we talked about that on my podcast we talked about that yeah i don't want to be cold no (laughs) absolutely not i don't want to eat cashew cheese that was the exact metaphor and you, I challenged you, uh, and you were like, no. You were like, no. But I did it. You did I, it. I did it. So. Tell me about that. You'll be so proud of me. I went to a Korean spa, and I did I did a cold plunge in the Korean spa. And I was like, yo, I get it. I get it. <laughs> I get it. Like, it was, it wasn't enjoyable. Like, it wasn't pleasant. But I felt alive like I felt every like square inch of my body being like zing like it was so it was really lovely and I got I stayed in a lot longer than I thought I would my friend that I went with was like oh my god look at you you're getting in the cold plunge with me I'm like yeah bitch this is like I like this so you were so (laughs) I want to like clip that like go back and get that that made it in there right yeah I still have it yeah, uh, I was so fly that clip it. in. Just go back and listen to, <laughs> to get the full continuity. Go back and listen to the episode that I'm on an Evian's podcast. Not about it. Not about it. Not at all. Not at all. But I did it. I, I have not done it again. And that's okay. And that's okay. And I, I am it. proud of you. Thank you. That is so big. Yeah, it's it's huge. I get it now. What was that like for you? Uh, you were like. I'm going to the spa. I know they're going to have a cold pool. I'm going to do it or... No, it was more like, it was, 
it was something that my body was asking for. I was sitting in this, in this, um, jacuzzi pool. It was really warm and I was feeling overheated. I'm like, God, it would be really nice to just like cool down like really quickly, you know, to have that experience of like going to the polar opposite. And, um, I saw other people doing it and I was, I mean, they were, you know, doing it in their own way. And then I was thinking about my partner, Jonathan, who does ice baths all the time and <laughs> watching him do his breathing techniques. I'm like, okay, these people don't know what they're doing. Let me step in and show y'all how to do the Wim Hof breathing. Cause yeah. I know how to do that. I'm kidding. Um, no, I, I, I really had my own experience and it was, it was fine. That's cool. Right. This mm-hmm. is like, to me, the, the architecture of stepping into our edges. Mm-hmm. It's like there has to be some comforts in order for us to establish a safe space. And then there's some anchoring folk maybe who are supportive, who are modeling, who are helping us see the possibility and identify with the experience. Right. And then there is also, I think, a back door, which is meaning like you don't have to if you don't want to. At any moment, you could have just said, you know, I put my foot in. That was plenty. Mm-hmm. Not somebody being like, no, you going to get in this ice water. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So <laughs> if I take all of that and said, well, well, how would we address that into other areas where we want to go up against our edges? And taking that structure and saying, well, all right, well, friendship is actually a huge part of this. These are those anchoring people in our lives that remind us of who we are, what we're capable of, that maybe challenge us in comforting ways, but also have grace for us mm-hmm. if we don't. Mm-hmm. right and they're gonna like hey look we both know you want to do this it doesn't have to be today and we love you no matter what or whatever right mm-hmm. that's great the pressure then comes off and then you can choose for yourself to cultivate your own experience and so to me that's the nugget of of the of the journey of like moving towards our our sort of our surf spots mm. Mm. Yeah, I like that. Um, question. Something that was a hard no for you, you ended up doing. Mm-hmm. How do you make sense of that? <laughs> People change their minds. Yeah. You know? How do you yeah? How do you yeah? Boy, if you can't take three hours of conversation and whittle it down to a simple wisdom, a, a, a one-liner, then what are you doing with your editing? Thank you so much, Charlie. Thank you so much, Evian, for giving me the opportunity to explore this with you and for giving us all an opportunity to push up against ourselves to get to know ourselves better. Thank you for listening to The Friend Show. The intro music was created by Deaf Sound and Lightfoot. Keep on listening, leave a review, leave a comment, and share it with your friends. Until next time.